2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We're really hearing the first 10 verses of that 12th chapter. It's a lot of reading. I expect that you'll continue to read all throughout the rest of the chapter as you'll be blessed by it. But just for the sake of the text, let's read the first 10 verses. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verse number one, it says, It is not expedient for me to doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, and to or that he heareth me, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproach, in necessities, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. From this portion of scripture, I'd like to take for a thought, God's grace is still enough. God's grace is still enough. The writer of this text is the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, as claimed by himself, was the least of all of the apostles. But when you begin to look at his resume and compare it with the resumes of his contemporaries, you'll find that the reason why Paul says this is because he considered himself a servant of all men. But when it came to the body of work, no one had a resume like the Apostle Paul's. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He was one that had been giving a special anointing by God. The really interesting part of this whole thing is that the Apostle Paul did not always start off. He didn't start off that way. God had taken him from the depths of sinfulness, of persecuting a church, of killing Christians, 
of doing all kinds of things to enact fear in the hearts of believers. As a matter of fact, Paul tried to snuff out Christianity at his inception. But he ran into a man named Jesus on the road to Damascus that forever changed his life. Now understand, as, as, as well noted as the Apostle Paul is, as well read as he is, he still found himself up against opposition. And that leads me to tell you that it doesn't matter what you do for the glory of God, there'll always be a naysayer there to try and tear you down. There'll always be this what's known as a thorn in your flesh. And he, that thorn in the flesh comes that he might keep you humble. And so Paul is writing this to this church at Corinthian. This is his second letter to this church. The first letter he came with the belt. He came with the rod of correction. He said some difficult and some hard things to this church. This second letter came to smooth things over a little bit. To get them to see it from the vantage point in which the Apostle Paul was presenting it. And understand that, 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 that sometimes love is difficult. And love will come with some correction. And really what Paul is saying is that I'm just trying to show you that I love you enough that I don't want you to see you keep continue going in the direction in which you're going. Because it had become a church that was divided. And we see that in our churches today. The sad reality of the whole matter is that, is that, 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 that Satan is doing a good job and he's doing it inside of the church. There are some circumstances and situations that are happening inside the body of Christ that should not be. The problem is that, that we have churches that are filled with unspiritual people. And you can say that you're spiritual all you want to. But you'll know how spiritual you are when the rubber meets the road. When, when, when times get difficult. When folk don't treat you like you used to, they used to treat you. When people stab you in your back, liable, scandalize your name. You, you, you'll find out how spiritual and how you react to something like that. You, you, you'll find out how spiritual you are when your level of complaining goes down and your, your level of praise goes up. When you learn how to stop complaining so much about your circumstances, about your situation, and you begin to offer up God a, a lips of praise to his name, when you begin to say, Lord, thank you for every circumstance and situation I face. But, but uh, we, we find ourselves, far too many Christians are complaining about far too much. Don't, don't you know that God has been good to you? I don't care what's going on in your life. The Lord has been good to you. If he woke you up this morning, started you on your way, gave your mind to want to serve him, God has been good to you. But, but, but we want this over an abundance of the, of the favor of God. 
And realize that, that, that most of us can't even handle it. That's the reason why God hasn't given it to you. Because we can't handle it right now. Because if God gave it to us, we'd get puffed up. We'd become prideful and we'd forget all about him. And this is what's happening with the Apostle Paul. Because of the abundance of revelation that God had given the Apostle Paul. He gives Paul this thorn in his flesh. We don't, we don't know what the thorn was. There are many people who speculate what the thorn was, but we don't know what it was. All we know that it was enough to drive Paul to his knees. Look at the text. The text says that, 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 that Paul, and I understand, to give you some context here, what's happening here is that Paul found it constantly, he was constantly defending his apostolic authority. In other words, his, his right to be an apostle. There, there, there was these ones that were known as what's known as super apostles. These are ones that go above and beyond apostleship. They were super apostles. And so they would constantly come against the apostle Paul. Constantly telling him that he did not fit the criteria. Maybe because he didn't see Jesus while he walked on this earth. I don't know the reason why. But he was always defending his position as an apostle. But understand, the apostle Paul did not want it to seem like he was bragging or boasting on himself. He wanted them to know, listen, there's nothing to brag about about being a servant of God. I mean, what, what, what do we have to brag about if we're servants? What do we have to boast about if we're servants? What do we have to be prideful about if we're truly servants? The problem of it is that, 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 that some of us are not servants, we're just volunteers. You, you, you donate a little time to the church. You donate to this ministry, you donate to that ministry. But see, when you're a servant of the Most High God, when you've declared that I'm going to serve you, God, no matter what, you can't just give up on God and on his service. It's not easy to just walk away from what God has assigned to our hands. Yes, there are times that we want to give up. There's times that we want to just throw in the towel. But because I'm a servant, because I've been called by God himself. This is what Paul is saying. He said, this is not by the will of man, but this is by the will of God. And understand that this is not just for the apostle Paul. This is for you as well. If God has called you to anything, and that includes salvation, it is a call for you to serve. That's what it is a call for. It's called for you to serve. And any good servant knows that he must always keep himself humble. Keep his head down. Last thing I want to do is see the master seeing me with my head, my chest stuck out, my head up high. Just a servant. And so he doesn't, he doesn't want to boast about his resume, even though he gives a brief synopsis of his resume in chapter number six of this book. 
He goes on to say that, that he knew such a man. And I understand that Paul is writing from the third person, but he's actually speaking of himself. He said, he said I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. In other words, Paul held this for 14 years. He never uttered a word to anybody about it until this particular time that we see written here. He said, I knew a man about 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. But God knows. So in other words, Paul said, I don't know whether I was in a trance. I don't know whether it was a dream. All I knew is that I knew this man that was what? That had been caught up to the third heaven. Now understand, when you talk about third heaven, we're talking about we have, we have our, 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 our atmosphere, which is the heaven, the skies and the clouds. And then we have the second heaven, which is the stars and the moon and the sun and so on and so forth. But then there is a third heaven that goes even beyond that. That's someplace where the space shuttle cannot go. The Hubble spacecraft cannot see. That is a third heaven. That is where God resides. That's where God lives. And so Paul had been caught up through the atmosphere, through the celestial star, into heaven, into the third heaven. Now, that ain't enough. To be called into the presence of God. To be called to the throne of God. Who wouldn't get excited about that? People have, have, have claimed to have, 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 been, have been taken up to heaven and come back and have written books about it. Made movies about it. They had made money off of it. And listen, I'm not knocking them for it, but understand this, that here it is, Paul had been caught up. It's in the scripture, had been caught up, and we don't hear about it until the second Corinthians, the 12th chapter. He didn't make any money off of this. Paul, in a very slight way, was trying to say, listen, if there's anybody that can boast about being an apostle, here it is, you got a man that has been taken up to heaven. And listen, not only has he been taken up to heaven, but he was given a word while he was there. A word that was so powerful that he couldn't even utter it himself. He couldn't even speak it out of his mouth. This was what's known as a, a, an extraordinary enlightenment that, got, that Paul got from God. It was, let, it was to let Paul know that I'm using you. And I'm going to use you to such a great degree that I got to give you a little something, something to keep your head out the clouds. And understand, I, 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 don't, I don't mind my thorn in the flesh. I, I got a thorn in the flesh. I, I know what it is. You see, because, because, because all of us will suffer some things that are just common to us. All of us will suffer some hardships. We're going to lose loved ones. Every last one of us in here are going to lose a loved one. That's common. All of us are going to have some financial strains, some circumstances, some situations, some to a greater degree than others. That's common. All of us are going to suffer a loss of income, a loss of job, a loss of home. That's a common situation. But what happens when your situation becomes personal? When you have something in you that's bothering you, that's getting at you, that only you and God know. 
What, 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 what happens when, 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 when the road begins to get difficult and, and, and tough for you and, you and you find it hard to get up in the morning? You find it hard to throw up holy hands and praise God. You can't even pray like you used to do. What happens then? What, 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 what? Do we just throw in the towel? No, what, what, what makes us think we're going to escape any of this stuff? The wages of sin is death. And that goes for everything in this earth. Everything in this earth is passing away. Nothing is going to remain forever. Your circumstance, your situation is in constant evolving, changing. And the only thing that is stable in your life is God himself. He, he, he's the only thing that you can hold on to that will keep you even when the winds and storms of, of life will take you and rock you back and forth. God will anchor you in his word. Paul finds this. He finds this with this thorn in his flesh. This problem that he has. Paul does not identify what the thorn is. Does not tell us. And quite certainly, I'm glad he doesn't tell us. Because if we told us, then we would localize it to that one thorn. But understand, all of us have a thorn in the flesh. There, 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 there's some stuff about you that you hope God never reveals. You hope God never, uh, no, 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 don't uncover that. You're praying for mercy. And what this does is that it keeps us grounded. We, we, listen, when you realize that you're only a, a hiccup away from death, that'll keep you grounded. When you, when you realize that everything that you have, God could take it away from you in a moment's eye. Just a, a snap of the finger. God could take it away from you. Keeps you humble. But the problem is that a lot of us go through a life obscure and think that God owes us something. That everything that we have is because we've we, we just been so good, God. We've been so good that God has to bless us with everything that we have. You ain't been that good. And neither have I. There's some mercy and some grace that God has given me that I didn't even ask him for. There, 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 there's some things that could have taken me out of here, but God has had mercy and grace on me. And so God's grace is still enough. No matter what the problems are, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how much Satan trying to dump on me, God's grace is still enough. Because what God's grace gives me is gives me an opportunity to focus on God, to focus on the goodness of God. You see, if you start focusing on God's goodness, you won't have time to complain about what you don't have or what's coming up against you. God's grace is amazing in what it does for us. Why? Because it has transformed our lives. 
His grace is amazing. It is his unmerited favor, his undeserved favor. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us anyhow. You see, because I know where I was. I know, I know the stuff that I've done. I know, I know the stuff that I had to take to God. I, I, I know that there was time that I was 100% I was right and realized that no, you weren't right, you were wrong. But God's grace. Come on, come on, come on, come on. God's grace! His grace! I don't deserve it, but he gives it to me anyway. This thorn, this thorn, this thorn. All of us have this thorn. What are we to do with this thorn? With a bask in the grace of God. You see, because not only does the, the thorn keep us humble, but the thorn identifies our weaknesses. There's only so far we can go. There's a, there's a limit to what I can do as a man. And so when I get to the place where I've exhausted my limits, I have no choice but to look for the grace of God to make up the difference. The Torah really tells us really where we're at. Because there's time that we become convoluted. We think we're more than that. We think we're all that in a bag of chips. Really, we're not. I would to God that God would show us how feeble and fragile we really are. I wish that God would show us the necessity for his grace. Because there's times that I believe that we take the grace of God for granted. And really what we should be doing is celebrating God for his grace. We should be thanking God for his grace. We should be thanking God for what he's done for us. Every morning you wake up, there's an opportunity for new grace. There's an opportunity for God to give you something that you don't deserve. Like your next breath. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us anyhow. Some people have great jobs that they can go to. You think you just got it because you've been so cute and you've been so good? No, it's by the grace of God that he gave it to you. It's not in your education. Because there's a lot of folk who are well educated that have lost their minds. But it's in the grace of God. And no matter what the devil comes to you with, God's grace is still enough. It's still enough. It, 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 it is the grace of God that's going to get us from earth to heaven. All of us have been saved by faith. If you've been saved, you've been saved by, faith, by grace through faith. Not of yourself, lest any man should boast. By his grace. Not only are you saved by grace, but also live by grace. We live because it's the grace of God 
that gives us the ability to have and live these transformed lives. God has transformed us, and he's done it by his grace. Apostle Paul understands this. He said, for in my weakness, then am I strong. There's a paradox there. How can you be weak and yet strong at the same time? Well, the reality of it is that you can be that way when you realize that your weakness means nothing. It don't take much to show you how weak you really are. Look at your last problem, your last circumstance, your last situation. How much effort did you put to to get yourself out of that? It was by the grace of God. By the grace of God. I'm living in grace. I realize that I'm I'm no match for Satan. I'm no match for this world in this circumstance, in the situations I find. I'm no match for that. But I know a God who is. And just like by faith, you were saved through, I mean, by grace, through faith, it's the same way in living in grace. It must be done in faith. It must be done trusting and believing that God has something better for you. Keep trying to grab everything we can. And understand that that's sometimes the grace of God will bless you with things that perhaps you didn't even think that you needed or you even wanted. But by and by, you realize that this is exactly what I needed. And this comes by the goodness and the grace of God. Listen, I'm not sitting up waiting on nobody down here to bless me. I'm looking for God's blessings. That's what I'm looking for. And, and, and I'm not trying to manufacture any blessings either. I'm, I'm amazed at the Christians that, 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 that will get on Facebook and begin to manufacture their own blessings. Who wants to take me to dinner? Who wants to buy this for me? Who wants to buy this? No, don't be trying to manufacture no blessings. Let God bless you. Listen, don't you know that God knows exactly what you stand in need of? There is nothing that you stand in need of that God does not already know what you need. And if we just spend less time being greedy and understand that God has all of our needs, everything that you have need of, God has it for you. You just got to release. You got to let go. You stop having confidence in yourself and other people. Because other people will let you down. And the truth be told, you'll let yourself down at times. But God will never let you down. Listen, God, God, God has never failed me. Doesn't matter what I'm going through, God the Lord has never failed me. Understand that grace provides an opportunity for growth. We're growing in grace. Not only are we living in faith, but we're growing in grace. In other words, when God gives you something, you ought to be appreciative for it. And it teaches you how to be even more appreciative when God blesses you with the next thing. God has allowed us an ability to be able to make some mistakes and still be blessed by him.
Because understand this, you will never ever outsin the grace of God. It's impossible. God's grace is enormous. But understand, don't you take that for granted. Don't, 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 don't you be like these foolish people who have, who have bought into this, this, this sensationalism of, 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 of ultra grace. Paul deals with that in, in the book of Romans. Should I sin that grace might be abound? God forbid. You should be so appreciative of God's grace that you sin less than you did. It should compel you to want to live a more holy life before God. You see, when you see, when you see all of the love and the commitment that God has shown towards you, all the compassion that God has given you, when you begin to see that, how in the world can you walk on that? How, how, how can you sin against a God that loves you so much that he continuously makes up for all of your mistakes, all of your sin, forgive you of all of your sin? How can you keep walking on that? How, how can it not break you down to your knees and say, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you. Lord, I don't want to sin against you anymore. God, I want to lift up holy hands and walk in the holy places. It's all because of your grace. I know I don't deserve it, God. I know what I really deserve, God, is for you to kill me because the wages of sin is death. And Lord, I've sinned. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes, I've messed up in the past. God's grace is enough. Yes, I'm living in grace right now. God's grace is enough. Yes, I'm growing by grace because God's grace is enough. Don't need to add nothing to it. It's enough. It's all we need. It's the grace of God. Because in that, we have his love. We have joy. We have peace. We have long-suffering. And because we've received the grace of God, it's only befitting that we extend some grace to others. We're formed in the image and the likeness of God. He is a gracious God. He is one that's always forgiving. So we should do likewise. We should be forgiving. We should be gracious unto all men. Yeah, that'll tell you how spiritual you are as well, right? When, 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 when's the last time you, you've extended grace to someone? When, when, when's the last time you just blessed somebody just for nothing? Wasn't a birthday, wasn't Christmas, Mother's Day, anything like that. I'm talking about even some people you don't even know. When's the last time you extended some grace to somebody and gave somebody something? I'm talking about some good stuff. I ain't talking about the stuff you had that you don't want no more. I'm talking about some good stuff. You bless somebody with something. Like a car that's still working. When, when, when's, the, when's, the, when's the last time we've done that? We're all experiencing the grace of God. We've got the grace of God. He's showing it to us in abundance, but when have we extended it to somebody? 
This is, this is the whole message of the cross. Because it's through the cross that grace was birthed. It's through the cross that, that grace came and abound amongst us. There was a penalty that had to be paid. There was love that had to be demonstrated. God says that he demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the grace of God. And it took a holy and a righteous savior to surrender his life for us. To be willing to be nailed in his hands. Nailed in his feet. Place a crown of thorns on his head. Suffer blood and died on the old rugged cross over 2,000 years ago. Died for your sin. Died for my sins. Took him off the cross. Put him in a borrowed tomb. Wasn't going to be there long. He stayed there Friday, all day Saturday, but early on Sunday morning, he arose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. This is the epitome of what grace looks like. Because in his resurrection, there is justification for us as well. And our faith in this is what provides the grace in which we experience each and every day. So God, thank you for your grace. Because your grace is still enough, God. I don't have to go looking elsewhere for anything else. I got your grace right here. His grace is still enough. God is still praying on our behalf. Making intercession for us. He's coming back again. For a church without spot or without wrinkle. He's coming back for a church that is living and growing in grace. His grace is enough. It's enough for me. It's enough for you. Just enough. Amen. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open.